Sorry, actually, I think I just had my uh, headphones plugged into the wrong jack. Patrick. <laughs> Sorry. Hello and welcome to What's the Deal, the Seinfeld review show that's just a couple of dudes this week. Each week, we dissect every episode of Seinfeld in chronological order. With me today, as always, is Patrick Armstrong. Mm-hmm. And no Christopher Young. Mm-mm. I'm Cameron No guest, Stephen. <laughs> and this is episode 46, and today we'll be looking at season four, episode seven, The Bubble Boy. And it's a spooktacular What's the Deal recording today as we come to you live on October 31st. You know, it's funny. I feel like once Halloween is over, everyone, well, especially like once people's Halloween hangovers are over, people just completely forget that Halloween is even a thing. I bet like four days later, when people are listening to this, they'll be like, Halloween was just now? When was this recorded? Like six months ago? I've never even heard of this Halloween. Yeah. What's your feeling on Halloween, Patrick? <sighs> um... I'm fine with it, I guess. Not too excited about it. I don't really like dressing up in a costume. Now, listeners to this show won't realize that we've restarted the recording of the show like six times so far because of technical problems. Um, but I did bring up that that surprised me slightly because I've seen you wear some pretty elaborate costumes. Yeah, one year I was dressed up as like a person. It was called like human meat. I was dressed up as a person in, I don't know, like a box of like one of those like a styrofoam tray. Yeah, like a shrink wrap tray of meat. Uh, I don't understand why I made that costume. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, It was really hot because I literally like covered myself in plastic and wore a polyester shirt. So I was really hot at this party, but. It was okay. Now, I was actually just talking about this costume the other day uh, to Zoe because uh, you you might recall. Do you remember what I was dressed up as that night? Oh, uh, weren't you dressed up as Jerry Seinfeld? I was. Some some mm-hmm. coincidence that. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to tell Zoe because much like you, I'm not much for Halloween. I'm not really into dressing up. Um, but... I told Zoe about how that night you were wearing that costume and you've kind of skipped out the part about how annoyed you were that night because everyone kept, you see, you were wrapped all the way around with that and it was like creating an echo chamber essentially and everyone felt it necessary to kind of like slap the sort of plastic cling wrap around your costume, which Mm -hmm. just caused uh, a loud banging noise in your ears, like being inside of a drum, I guess. Yeah, it was like I was inside an enormous drum. And I remember terrible. I was one of the worst offenders. I couldn't, I couldn't stop. He kept asking me to stop, but I just, I just couldn't. You're a bad friend. Well, I was in character as Jerry. <laughs> um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty awful. I don't think I would have such a big costume again. That was the I last... guess one year I was one year I was also like a cassette tape, or I think I was like a mixtape specifically, which was also a really big costume. Mm-hmm. Also a bad idea. I that one that. wasn't as loud though, because you didn't have a tape deck. Mm-hmm. 
That was actually the last a... the last time I wore a costume was I dressed up as Jerry Seinfeld. I don't think I've been in costume since then. Did you wear a special jean or something, or were you just wearing jeans and a shirt and runners? No, I went to Value Village and bought, like, I found a picture of Jerry from a specific episode uh, in the earlier years. It was a more distinctive style, and I, I tried to buy the exact thing. So it was a very sort of, like, 90s cut of jeans. Like a high-waisted, like, acid wash jean or something? Yeah, although actually, in the picture that I pulled it from, he was wearing, uh, like, a black jean. Uh, but what really made the costume was that uh, I had several other people dressed as the other characters as well so we were kind of an ensemble oh yeah I remember you had a you had a Kramer you had an Elaine did you have a George no nobody wanted to be George <laughs> I would have been George that'd be a fun costume you yeah, get to do a lot of yelling meat. yeah I wasn't invited to be part of an ensemble well, to be fair, I just did it because my girlfriend at the time, I think she realized that that costume was the only way she could convince me to dress up for Halloween, was to essentially wear regular clothes. Mm-hmm. It worked. It did work. But anyhow, it's a it's a spooktacular night tonight. Is that where Chris mm-hmm. Young is? No, I think he, he said he was busy with school and was going to have a go to bed early. Something like that. Hmm. Maybe he's grieving over his uh, fallen mayor. Mm-hmm. Disgraced mayor. So for those of you not following the news of the day in Toronto, one of the biggest cities, or is it just the outright largest city in Canada? It's the largest city in Canada. I think like fourth largest in North America, like after Chicago. It is fourth largest. I knew that much. All right. So the, the mayor of Toronto's... Uh, back in the hot seat and i think we actually talked about this uh back in yonder what's the deal episodes but uh the there's a video of him smoking crack cocaine and the police Mm -hmm. have it and he denied vehemently that it existed but uh turns out it's real Mm -hmm. uh he refuses to resign though sees no reason to resign well and and why would he Mm mm-hmm what else can we bore our listeners with? Um, Senate scandal. Senate scandal. Those guys are wasting a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. Those fat cats up in Ottawa. And you know what will really put the listeners to sleep? Let me tell you this. The controversy this week over the native resolutions of Battlefield 4 and Call of Duty Ghosts on the PlayStation 4 versus Xbox One are making headlines. Should we talk about Obamacare? Healthcare.gov? Can they not get that back up? And how come the Russians are letting Snowden work at some security firm? Uh, uh, debt ceiling. We dodged that one. That one's over. Yeah. We'll talk about that in February. <laughs> so should we talk about Seinfeld, maybe? I guess we could talk about Seinfeld. I don't uh, see why not. Uh, so this week, it's a big episode. We got the bubble boy. Oh, I gotta open my notes. Well, that's um, alright. While you open your notes, I will kindly advise our listeners, as always, to head over to whatsthedealshow.com, where you can find all of our show notes carefully curated, primped and preened by Patrick Armstrong. 
Or Mother this Bird, week. as we call him. <laughs> Been known that way since high school. Um, so yeah, the Bubble Boy. This to me, this is like one of the seminal Seinfeld episodes. It's like you know, maybe in like the top five of like maybe not my favorite, but like if someone asked me to name a Seinfeld episode, this this will be in there. So what do you just name one? If someone's like, "Hey, Patrick, name a Seinfeld episode for me." Yeah. <laughs> what what sort of conversation is this? Someone's just wants to know a name of a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> that classic conversation. You never had that? Uh, not yet. I suppose it could happen any day now. Hey, uh, Cameron. Mhm. Uh, can you name a Seinfeld episode for me? Male unbonding. <laughs> that classic episode. That memorable, memorable episode. Um, what was that guy named Joel? Yeah, Joel. Come on, Joel. Um, but yeah, I I like this episode a lot. It's especially refreshing after so many double episodes. Um. And so, yeah, so this episode starts with a monologue and uh, Jerry's this week talking about the answering machine and how are you ever disappointed you didn't get the answering machine? Um, This is kind of like a precursor, I think, to today these days. Like if someone doesn't actually want to speak to someone, they just send a text. I feel like people go to great efforts to not speak on the phone these days or at least i do yeah see that's funny i have the same thing down here because like that actually used to happen to me a lot where i'd call someone and kind of hope i could leave a message um and but that's not really a problem now because i don't think people call as much as they used to mm-hmm. um I, I try to email or text i don't yeah. want to talk to anyone so actually, well, my observation was that I have the exact opposite problem now where when I call someone, I really hope they're there because the only reason why I would call someone is because I actually need to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and like even if I get a phone call, if I don't, I have a tough time deciding whether I'm going to pick up because if it's a number I recognize, I feel like it must be that kind of situation where it's it's something that's important that is... Um, like someone must really need to talk. And if it's a number I don't recognize, then I think, oh, it must be really important. Someone I don't know is calling me. So I feel like every time the phone rings, I have to pick it up, which is maybe the response I should have to the phone ringing. But I feel like I used to have more freedom to not pick up the phone before. They've, they've clipped your wings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's terrible. Now... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything more on this. <laughs> we're we're lighting it up. Let me tell you well, about. Wait, do you think? Do you think? Well, so Jerry talks about how this is like a severe phone anxiety. Do you think just people in general these days have phone anxiety? Um. Well, actually, that is funny now that you asked that question because this came up the other day. Because there's a classic one where so many people I've known don't want to call to for like services like mm-hmm. call for pizza mm-hmm. and i used to feel that way too i used to be like nervous about calling for pizza 
I'd always want the other person to do it. It's like, oh, why don't you call? Uh, which seems insane to me now, because, I mean, I'll just, I'll call for pizza. Yeah, give me the phone. I don't care. Of course I'll call for pizza. Um, so, I don't, <laughs> I guess it doesn't really answer your question, but, I mean, phone anxiety, I mean, it does exist. But I don't, do you think, I don't know that people have any more or less phone anxiety than they do now. Hmm. I mean, phone. no phone anxiety will ever match up to the first time you, like, call someone that you like on the phone you mean like 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 (laughs) um yeah yeah i don't know maybe maybe i don't know i have i have some pretty like severe phone anxiety i i avoid the phone as much as i can really i i love the phone i i I kind of i'm kind of disappointed that people don't call as much as they used to well i mean i like talking to someone uh like like you know like a friend or acquaintance or whatever but it like if i have to call to you know like get a quote on like a car repair or something and then like arrange an appointment it, it always seems to take way longer and i always end up sounding way stupider than i feel like i actually am uh like i recently did this like i was calling because i have like a little like uh bend in the rim on one of the wheels of my car oh i heard about that uh, i guess probably from like hitting a pothole or something like that um like it's not huge it's just like maybe an inch long and maybe like a quarter of an inch like of displacement but uh i need to get like the car insured in quebec so uh like it's it's mandatory to get it fixed so i need the call to ask if someone could repair it because they can just like i don't know take a mallet or something Mm mm-hmm they, like they said, they think they can fix it, but like the person on the phone didn't know if they could fix it. So sitting for like 15 minutes while he was talking to different people in the garage, and it, I don't know, it, it was very uncomfortable. What does it know like, if you can fix it or not? He wasn't sure if they could fix an aluminum rim, and the guy who normally does it wasn't there today, so they had to just ask around. <laughs> he was steel rim, no problem. And he's like, why don't you have a steel rim? I was like, I don't know. It's just the kind my car came with. Ask around kind of like the same way. So he might have asked someone if they knew the name of a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're like you're down in the down in the monkey pit there. And it's like, hey, Steve, you know, if we can uh, if we can get a name on a Seinfeld episode in here. <laughs> That's my shop talk. Mm-hmm. And some spark plugs. <laughs> People Throws can tell that we're spark plugs. <laughs> People know we're, we're working, man. Real grease monkeys. Um, yeah. Um, so in the okay. next scene. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jerry comes home from a date uh, with Naomi, who you may remember from the previous episode, was the woman that uh, Jerry's mom thought was a real charmer and Jerry should uh, go on a date with. And yet... And yet, she has a terrible, terrible laugh. But uh, Jerry did it. And she's got a cool plaid breast, cool plaid dress <laughs> on. <laughs> a cool plaid breast. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's got to hurt. Um, so when the scene opens up, she's in there. Um, Jerry's talking about this meal they just had and all this garlic they ate. And he makes a joke about how he ate a lot of garlic because he thought they were peanuts. 
I mean, <laughs> this lady's bar to laughter is so low. Uh-huh. I mean, what is funny about Jerry pretending that he doesn't know what garlic looks like? I mean, I might do a mild grimace with that joke. Uh, I feel like I'm not not doing a laugh. <laughs> yeah, although what I did, uh, another thing in the scene I did love, though, is they start talking about movies, something to do. She wants to watch The Naked Gun. Mm-hmm. I love That's The Naked Gun. a good movie. Gun. Yeah, I was, surprised that, I was surprised they talked about The Naked Gun. It doesn't seem like a movie that would come up uh, in Seinfeld. They usually use fake movies. Uh, yeah, but they also talked about, uh, Holocaust, which is, you know, a real movie. Or a is TV. it? It was a TV series. Oh, I've never seen it. Yeah, it was in, uh, 1978. I'm looking at it right now. Meryl Streep and James Wood. Sounds sad. Uh, it probably was. I mean, I can't imagine it was not sad. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, what, what were you hoping out of, uh, Holocaust? I don't know. Maybe, you know, life-affirming or something, like your Schindler's List. Oh, I, I, yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, that's still a pretty sad movie. It's pretty sad. But you leave with a good feeling. Well, for what it's worth, Kirk Douglas was in a movie in 1977 called Holocaust 2000. Oh, I don't, can't imagine what that is. Oh, well, let me tell you. An executive in charge of a Middle Eastern nuclear plant discovers that his son is the Antichrist and sets out to stop him from using the nuclear power at his fingertips to wipe out mankind. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Um, so, I, I can't imagine the pitch meeting of that movie. I imagine it going like when Jerry and George were pitching their pilot there is um, no story <laughs> there's gotta be a story okay it's the holocaust but the year 2000 well and the poster's really great for it too because it's like kirk douglas is off to the side and in the middle there's just a lady who just looks totally stunned and the year 2000 is blowing up in some sort of explosion you know the the poster of this movie looks kind of like the cover of a choose your own adventure book well, you're thinking of the Holocaust 2000 Choose Your Own Adventure movie tie-in. Oh, there we go. I can see why you'd get confused, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so while they're, they're chatting, uh, Jerry decides to play his messages, which seems like a weird choice. Uh, I would never do that. Um, but he does, and George leaves a message about this weekend trip they're going on. And mentions that no, that Jerry has said that Naomi has a laugh like Elmer Fudd sitting on a juicer. Now, last uh, week, Aubrey, I think I might have said a blender, but uh, same effect, I suppose. Yeah. You know, her laugh just isn't really that different from Elmer Fudd. I don't know why it has to be sitting on a juicer. Because uh, Jerry likes to hyperbolize, you know. Yeah. Now, and you know how Elmer Fred loves to laugh when he sits on a juicer. Let me ask you this. Do you think kids know who Elmer Fudd is anymore? Do you think if I went up to like a 13-year-old and I was like, something, something, Elmer Fudd, that they would, they would get the reference? That's a good question, because I bet they know who Bugs Bunny is. But Elmer Fudd, 
I don't know, because there's no Looney Tunes on TV, right? I don't know. There could be. Maybe maybe they do show Looney Tunes on TV. Why wouldn't they? It was good enough for us. Yeah. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. Next time you see some little kids, ask them if they know who Homer Fudd is. Well, it's Halloween. I'll just go outside and just stop random kids. Hey, hey you, Elmer Fudd? Can you name me one Elmer Fudd? <laughs> um, so, so obviously she's upset. She decides to leave. Um, then we have George and Jerry in the apartment. Naomi is not going on the weekend trip. And Jerry makes a super weird joke. He says he, as a comedian, dating Naomi is like Coco Chanel going out with a fishmonger because of the perfumes and a fishmonger stinks. This is a weird joke, huh? Yes. Do you think uh, that this a... Do you think that this was just like someone pitched this as like an actual joke in the writers room and then like people are like what is that joke? Uh I actually really like this joke. <laughs> really? Well, I really like it because Jerry does this annoying thing that I really like to do, which is to explain a really bad joke. Mhm. I love to tell a joke and then explain it to somebody. Um some some people in my life, I won't say who, but some people in my life have told me that it's extremely annoying and that I should probably stop doing that. But uh, hmm. I can't stop. Well, I mean, once you have a joke that's bombed, making it bomb further is, you know, almost more fun than having a, a like a joke that really lands the first time. Yeah, it's like the, it's just, the joy of a dad joke. Yeah. Just seeing how... How much you can make another person groan. Um, so yeah. Um, and then we find out that Kramer is going to be playing golf at the private Westchester Golf Club. For a Cuban. Yeah, he uh, he met the golf pro at the club, gave him a Cuban. He got a free round of golf or a whole weekend of golf, something like that. Yeah, well, the deal is, if you give him a Cuban, you play a round. And the same deal as much as he wants. It's a pretty good deal. I'll say. Actually, I have no idea how much a Cuban cigar costs in the U.S. Because they're... Well, you know, they don't they're, cost they're anything. Well, I mean, they're black market, so you can... I'm sure you can buy them somewhere, but I have no idea how much the like going rate is. I mean, I guess with cigars, it could be anywhere from like 10 bucks up to like 100 bucks for a cigar. Yeah. Well, I think they have like $100 cigars here in Canada that are Cubans, so I bet they must cost more on if, you, if they're illegal in your country. Yeah. Well, I don't think there are many places that Cuban cigars are illegal. It's pretty much just uh, the U.S., right? That's right. Yeah. Well, I think, um, isn't, aren't they the only country in the world with an embargo on Cuba? I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe some other country, like like through some weird accent of history, like Tonga or something. Why Tonga? I don't know. It's a very specific example. I don't know. I was re- there's, yeah, I don't know. It's probably just the United States. 
Um, so, yeah. And so anyway, George and Jerry are relieved on this because they, they didn't want to make Kramer feel left out. But Susan apparently now hates Kramer. Uh, I guess because he vomited on her. It seems weird, though. Like, it, it didn't seem like in the previous episodes she was, like, that upset about the whole thing. Right? Yeah, actually, she... It just rolled, like, water off a duck's back. Yeah. And now she hates Kramer? That seems weird. But, I mean, it works for this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, they weren't allowed to invite Kramer... Uh, but they didn't want him to feel left out. But luckily, he's going to be playing golf. Yeah, he can't go. Him. And, uh, you know, they tell him not to worry about it because there's no golf there. It's pie country. Mm-hmm. All pies all the time. Upstate New York, all pies. What's your favorite pie, Patrick? I like a cherry pie. That's pretty good. Hmm. Like I, uh, I, would, I would say apple or uh, a rhubarb pie. Oh, that's good. I like a pumpkin pie too. Delicious. Yeah, it's not bad. Do you like an do you like an apple pie with a crumble topping? Oh yeah. Yeah. What about yeah. some vanilla ice cream on there? Yep. Yep. I Man, do. I want some of that right now. I was gonna say I want some right now, frankly. Yeah, it sounds delicious. All right, well that's a show. And it's pie season, you know. Pies are in season. You gotta get Actually, while the pieing's good. I'm not quite sure when pie season isn't. Um, maybe like February. I'm trying to think of a time of year where there's no like pie fruits or foods that are particularly uh, seasonal. Um, Did you just find your cell phone? No, my phone's just started ringing. Do you want to find it? No, it's just in my pocket. Oh, I heard it was lost. No, it's just in my jacket pocket. I mean, it was a little lost. <laughs> so, in the next scene, we're at Monk's, and Jerry is uh, talking to Elaine, and uh, he's trying to convince her to come out to the country, because, let's face it, Elmer Fudd's not into it. Um, yeah, so Jerry's trying to convince Elaine to come, but uh, uh, he's... He's uh like they get kind of distracted because he's got this photo he's got to like bring and sign for his dry cleaner, uh, which Jerry does not really like, uh, because he can never think of anything super clever. Um, I imagine that would be like a kind of uncomfortable thing to do. I feel it would like would be, but just sign your name, just write your name. But I feel like. Everyone is writing some kind of dedication on it. I feel like you can't just write your name on an autograph. Like, every time I've been in some kind of business where they have those, like, headshots of celebrities that are signed, they've always got some kind of comment on it. But it's not usually, like, incredibly witty if it is. You're just like, to Joe's Cafe, had a great time. Great, great food. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe because he's a comedian, he feels like he has to be clever. Well, I bet if we looked up a signature from Jerry Seinfeld on the internet right now, there would be nothing but just his head and the words, 
Jerry Seinfeld next to it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I bet there was a lot of them on eBay. I guess so. I'm I'm actually kind of shocked that people are like autograph hunters. Yeah, well, see, like I've heard celebrities complain about um, autographs being sold on eBay because like they probably like sit for hours signing these things for like they think they're fans and then someone just goes and sells it for a hundred bucks or whatever. But what I don't understand is people who buy autographs, right? Like, doesn't that seem weird? I guess so, but maybe you want to just, like, put it in your restaurant or something. You just want to, like, make it seem like Jerry Seinfeld was there? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, is that going to get... I don't know. I guess... I mean, I guess it looks exactly the same as if he actually had been there. I don't know. I'm looking at some Jerry Seinfeld autographs right now, and Mm -hmm. there's, there's only two that have come up uh, in this early section that have some additional text. One of them says to Dana and the cockpit. Thanks for everything. And then nice leather we are having. That one's good. And uh, another one, a much older one down here. It says to Treehouse. Let's get those trees off drugs and back to the forest again. Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Um, I mean, maybe this came up because he always writes stupid things on his autographs and people were making fun of him. Yeah, I I think after looking at this, I would just go ahead and if I saw him, just ask just a regular signature. Like, I'm like, there's one down here of Jerry Stiller and all he wrote is all the best. Yeah, that one's okay. Yeah, that's perfect. In fact, um, I, I insist from now on that if people sign things for me, they just write all the best. Are you getting a lot of autographs? No, I actually, it's funny. Just for whatever reason, I had one, I have one book with an autograph in it. And, um, geez, I should get this right because the lady was nice enough to sign it for me. Her name, I believe, is Carol Windley or something like that. She wrote, uh, it's a book of short stories. She's an author from... Uh, Vancouver Island, British Columbia. She won some sort of prize. Anyhow, I just happened to be taking a class in university and we were reading her book and she came in to talk about writing and stuff. And I thought, you know what? I'll have her sign the book. And she wrote something in the front, like a personal dedication. And I, every time I think of it, I always think it's very strange because, I mean, I don't know her. I don't know her at all. Who the heck is she to be signing my paper? Mm-hmm. Rude. It's almost like you asked her or something. What a what a phony. Um, so while Elaine is making fun of George for this, I mean George Cherry for this, a fan recognizes Cherry from The Tonight Show. His son is a fan, big fan of Jerry, but he also lives in a bubble. They've sacrificed everything for him. Elaine's crying. He's crying. Jerry's unaffected. Jerry's having a tuna sandwich. Yeah, he's having a good time. Whole wheat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, this scene, something that happens here, is that we see a classic hallmark of Jerry for seasons to come, that complete lack of emotion. And it's not just that he feels 
it's not that he feels uncomfortable. He literally feels no emotion towards the situation. The emotion mm-hmm. he's feeling right now is hungry. Mm-hmm. Waiting for this conversation to end. Yeah, uh, it's really great. I feel like there was like a quantum leap between like the last four episodes or whatever and this one. Because this feels like just a quintessential like Seinfeld episode. And it is. It's a Hallmark episode, one that people know about, but... Even beyond that. Well, now that Jerry's on The Tonight Show all the time, he's one of these Hollywood big shots. He doesn't have to care about the little people. You think that's what happened? He just became disaffected? Yeah, definitely. Uh, And so Jerry, um, after, like, Elaine makes him feel guilty, agrees to go visit the bubble boy. He lives upstate. Um... But yeah, uh, I think this Jerry being totally unaffected by this very emotional situation, it's great. I think it's one of his great character traits. Um, So back at the apartment, Jerry and Elaine are explaining this whole situation with Susan and George. Uh, I mean, they're both quite like amazed by this thing. They think maybe he lives in an igloo. Um, that is not the case. And it turns out the Pope Boy's house on the way to the cabin. Uh, I don't think there's too much to say here. I feel like they're just kind of moving the plot along here. They got a 47 cabin. Um, so uh, we cut to the car the highway. Trip. The highway. George is making good time. Uh, Elaine and Jerry are talking about whether George actually likes Susan. And this episode makes it seem like he sure does not. Um, She in the car is like trying to like, you know, like fool around a little with him. He's not having any of it. He's just driving super fast, excited about his time. Yeah. Not interested in Susan at all. Now, Jerry talks about George's speed and he talks about how he claims to have driven from 81st street to kennedy airport in 25 minutes mm-hmm. now or in 26 minutes now i looked this up on google maps if you take the belt parkway google maps said in the traffic that i looked it up around four uh oh no actually probably like closer to six um traffic uh, with that traffic, it would only take 25 minutes to get there. Hmm. So I don't know. Uh, did the Belt Parkway not exist then? I don't know anything about the infrastructure of New York. I don't know. I feel like everything in New York was built in the 19th century. All the roads have remained the same. Weren't all the highways built in like the 60s and 70s like most cities? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm I'm currently uh, listening to the audiobook of... The Power Broker, the uh, <laughs> biography of Robert Moses, and he was the one that set up the uh, highway infrastructures for New York City, and that was definitely not in the 19th century. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just the traffic is usually pretty bad and takes longer than 25 minutes. Well, to be fair, I checked out some of the alternative route suggestions, and those ones could take up to 40 to 50 minutes or so, so... Um, and I guess it depends on where on that street you're starting from, right? 
Actually, yeah, I guess I I didn't even. I just typed in 81st Street to Kennedy Airport. Yeah. Um, well, but, you know, it doesn't really matter because George is bragging about this story to Susan. He says he does it in 15 minutes. Even more implausible. Which maybe suggests that 25 minutes isn't that amazing for this drive. Uh, because George feels a need to embellish. Yeah, um, I guess so. But I mean, it's it's classic George that he would continue to embellish, right? That no matter what he said is not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's he's going to get down to like one minute. Now, do you feel like when you're driving, you have to be making good time? Like if you're on a longish drive, like, you know, it's supposed to take about four hours. Mm-hmm. Are you checking like how far along you are and how much time you've taken? Whether you're like behind or ahead of schedule, um, I don't know a, a little bit. I mean, I I'm cognizant of it, but unless I'm, I, I guess unless I feel like I'm falling really far behind schedule, I, I don't really care. Like they don't really have a deadline for this trip, so no. And I feel like for the most part, there's not that much you can do to go that much faster. Like either there's no traffic or there's some traffic. And, like, there's not that much you can do in either sense, like, on a highway. I mean, just not go off the highway too early or something. That's a good skill. Uh, But, yeah. But George's strategy just seems to be driving very fast. Too fast for Jerry to keep up with. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, I don't even think George could reach those sort of speeds in the car he appears to be driving. Uh, well, I don't know what kind of car it is. Like, maybe it's like a, like a big Crown Vic or something. Those are pretty big like engines. A, it just looks like an Oldsmobile. Hmm. I don't know. Some of those old cars have pretty big engines. It's got the like word were, old built right into it. They're kind of overpowered. But, uh, he's, I don't know. He's gunning it. He's going real fast. He eventually loses Jerry. They decide they're going to try to meet at the Bubble Boy house. Um, and uh, Naomi calls. Kramer's going to take her up to the cabin with him. And Kramer, he loves her laugh. Yeah, it's... So, you know, just to kind of play it in, because this scene's really short, and eventually Kramer's driving her upstate. Um, I find it a little... Uh, it's a little odd. Is is he going out with her now? Because, like, if she still wants to go with Jerry, Jerry, or, you know, Jerry still has the first right of refusal here. I feel like, I feel like Kramer does not recognize those boundaries, and Naomi is just kind of feeling things out, you know? I mean, it probably can't feel good every time you laugh if your date gets a horrified look on his face. If you're what? You know? If you're on a date... Oh, your date. And, and every time you laugh, uh, your your date gets a horrified look on his face. You know? Yeah, that's... I mean, that's not great. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like maybe Kramer's a better fit for her anyway. I think so, too. But, I mean, come on. Yeah. What type of car is Kramer driving? <laughs> I don't know what that is. It looks a little sporty. It is, and there's all the chrome, you know, even in the interior. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
And then he speaks in Cuban to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's just speaking in tongues, is what's happening here, as far as I could discern. Mm-hmm. He loves it, though. Speaking in tongues. She loves, she loves the uh, K-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, after they're split up, Susan and George end up at the Bubble Boy house. Jerry and Elaine, I mean, Jerry and Elaine end up at the diner. So at the Bubble Boy house, Susan wants to go in and, you know, like sit and, and wait. But George is, he's pretty uncomfortable with this. And, you know, he's uncomfortable with a lot of things. You know, Susan wants to, you know, like kiss him a little, you know, like right in front of the door. But he's uncomfortable. And as we established earlier, George is a prude. Susan calls him out on it. I, I love how prudish George is. Yeah, because I feel like in George's mind, he's a bit of like a Lothario. Like maybe like Jerry is, you know, like, you know, like thin and maybe a little better looking than him. But he, I think George in his mind feels like he's the one who really knows about women and dating and you know he's a bit of like a lothario you know uh do you yeah, get that no, impression I, oh i would definitely concur with that yeah yeah but uh it's not the case at all susan's just like is eager though yeah uh i'm not quite sure why uh maybe because george is like a little prudish she feels like he's a challenge i mean george is but <laughs> I mean, do you think it it just George enjoys how it probably just feeds his ego that Susan's into him? Oh, maybe like he kind of like enjoys being withholding. Yeah, and I mean it's you know, he would he would be withholding on it no matter what, but there's something about uh there's there's something about it feeds his ego just just a little bit. <laughs> Like he wants, he wants her to stop making out with him in the car and pay attention to how good he is at driving. I feel like in general, George's main motivator is, you know, looking impressive. And so, like, I feel like he doesn't want. Maybe he's not interested in fooling around with Susan when it's just the two of them because she's not going to be impressed by that. But you know, if maybe other people are around, he'd want to impress them with. Uh, how much Susan's into him. Maybe, but he also hates public displays of affection in general, right? Like, he, he doesn't like the schmoopy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He calls Susan his little Kiki in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like George is quite a puzzle. Um, okay. So, at the diner, next... Jerry and Elaine, both pretty upset. Jerry thinks this whole weekend is ruined. And Elaine just wants a glass of water. And Jerry orders a sandwich. Do you order a sandwich at a restaurant? If it's like a diner like this, I might order a sandwich. I once ordered a meatloaf sandwich at a diner like that. How was that? It's pretty good, actually. I liked it. I had a meatloaf eggs benedict a while ago. Wow. That sounds great. Yeah, it was great. It was very good. 
I'm I'm leery of ordering a sandwich when I go out though. Really? You would never get like a BLT? Not at a sit down restaurant, I don't think. <clears throat> like you know, not like... at a not at a diner? I don't know. Maybe I've never been to a diner. Like what are you getting at a diner? A hamburger? I don't know that I've been to a diner. Ever? Ever. It's a little weird. There's no diners around. Mm-hmm. There's diners. Where's there a diner near There's me? there's Paul's Motor Inn. I knew you were gonna say Paul's Motor Inn. You know I've never been to Paul's Motor Inn. Well, it's a diner. It's true though. On the on the West Coast there aren't a lot of diners. That seems to definitely be an East Coast thing. Why are there a lot of diners out there? Yeah, a lot. Really? Oh, I just I just kind of assumed that a diner was a thing of the past, more so. Nope. I think they're just an East Coast thing. Hmm. So what is a diner then? Well, I mean, there's like a counter that you can sit at. You can get a sandwich. You can get a burger. Get a BLT. Sometimes you get a soda, you get a coffee. It's, I mean, like the the coffee shop that they go to in Seinfeld is like, it's a diner. Well, I'm into it then. You know what I say? Yeah. Let's all, let's all have diners. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, uh, at this, at this diner, Jerry is recognized. They want a signature. And Elaine loves it. They're in upstate New York. Why is this lady such a crazy, like, country bumpkin? Mm. Hey, ain't you Jerry Seinfeld? I feel like that's just the impression that, like, people who live in Manhattan have uh, upstate New York. Like, it's quaint, there's pies, and there's beautiful leaves. But otherwise, it's a horrible place. But I've never been to upstate New York. Maybe that's what it's like. You know? I guess. I mean, I just can't imagine that that's what upstate New York is like. What do you think it's like? I think it's a lot like uh, anywhere anywhere else. I just don't think that people like develop like a strange like Mid-Eastern, Midwestern accent. Hmm. The accent's a little weird, but I feel like maybe it's just a bad actor. I mean, she didn't seem amazing. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if she's been anything else, but she was, she wasn't blowing my mind with her performance. I'll put it to you that way. No. Um. Yeah. And so Elaine, she's really uh, uh, ganked up on getting Jerry to sign the autograph. I'm not sure if it's just because she wants to annoy Jerry at this point. But I feel like that's part of it. I mean, it um, absolutely is. I just don't know why she's that annoyed. I feel like she's just annoyed at the situation and lashing out at Jerry a little bit. Because she's just gnashing on her uh, gum there. Why can't she just mm-hmm. be happy? She just wants some water. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think you would feel comfortable just ordering water at a restaurant or a diner? If I was with somebody else. Yeah. And they were eating. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's fine. Yeah, if you're both ordering just water, that's that's probably out of line. But I think if one of you is eating, it's fine, right? 
yeah, if one person's eating and the other person's like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not hungry. I'm just, can I just have a water? No problem. Yeah. Because, so, I mean, Patrick, yeah. uh, just mm-hmm. interrupt you. Um, Olan Jones, who played the waitress, has mm-hmm. been in Edward Scissorhands. Hmm. She was in Natural Born Killers, The Truman Show, and Mars Attacks. I've seen all those things. You know, she hasn't been in much uh, in recent years of no, but, you know, she's still in movies. Hmm. Well, there you go. She used to be married to uh, Sam Shepard. Who's that? He uh, is a director and actor, I believe. So he was in Black Hawk Down, Hmm. Swordfish. Mm. <laughs> He's he directed two movies, Silent Tongue, in 1993, with an IMDb rating of 4.9. Mm-hmm. Uh, has River Phoenix in it though. Mm. And some. and he also directed another movie, which came out in 1988, called Far North. Which is uh, got a four point six rating, mm-hmm. and <laughs> after being severely injured in a runaway horse accident, the family patriarch Bertram lies in a hospital bed, plotting revenge against Mel, the four-legged enemy he blames for putting him there. <laughs> so when his eldest daughter Kate comes to visit, the father has but one request: shoot that horse. By chance, his alcoholic brother, Dane, is in the same hospital drying out. Meanwhile, back at the house, Kate's mom is losing her grip on reality, and Kate's sister, Rita, has her own problems with a teenage daughter, Jilly, who has recently discovered booze and boys. Between her ornery father, her fed-up sister, her wild niece, and her spaced-out mom, Minnesotan-turned-New Yorker Kate is in for one hell of a family visit. (laughs) What is this? It's got Jessica Lange. She was in Tootsie. <laughs> okay. okay. I don't know where so, we're going with this. <laughs> we're introduced to the, at least the voice of the bubble boy next. Uh, George and Susan have gone in. His parents, super nice. And the bubble boy is crazy awful. Uh, do you want to do an impression of the bubble boy? Hey, Seinfeld. <laughs> Thanks for bringing your jackass friend around. It's pretty good. I mean, the bubble boy is a monster. He doesn't uh, sound like much of a boy. No, he's actually voiced by one of the Seinfeld writing staff. Oh, yeah? He does a good job. Yeah, it's, I, I feel kind of ridiculous. I can't think of the guy's name. I mean, of all of like, the little Seinfeld trivia bits I know, I, I know the names of a lot of the writers but for some reason uh it's escaping me right now what this guy's name is i'm gonna look it up as we continue along here but yeah so they get there and they meet the bubble boy and the bubble boy is just he's an absolute monster yeah you know i think the woman who plays the bubble boy's mother does a really good job like when the bubble boy is yelling she is doing a very good job of like visibly cringing but trying to put on a brave face 
which is like some pretty like subtle acting, especially for this episode of Seinfeld. Um, I think it's pretty good. What I don't understand is that so the the bubble boy meets George and Susan, and he <laughs> he asks Susan to take her top off. Why isn't Susan more pissed off at this? I feel like she feels like he's such a charity case that she's just still got to be on her like best behavior here. You know? Yeah. She's just I... like she's just like, "Oh, that's just how he is." I guess so, but I mean like I mean, I think she's the one that bursts the bubble later. No pun intended. She does, but I think she just doesn't want the bubble boy to kill George. You know, I don't think she has anything against the bubble boy. But I mean, the bubble boy later is literally joking George. George can't breathe. What's she going to do? Maybe maybe we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. So they're waiting for Seinfeld. They decide to play Trivial Pursuit. And there is... Probably the most famous scene and line from this episode. The question that comes up is who invaded Spain in the 8th century? The Moors? No. I'm sorry. It's the Moops. (laughs) Now, I love George's complete glee and how much he enjoys beating the bubble boy here. Well, the bubble boy had it coming. I guess I like it's just like George wants to cause him a little bit of pain. Is that it? You think he's just enjoying that? I guess so. I love uh, when the Bubble Boy is just like taunting him when he's reading. He's like, "This is for the game. How you doing over there? Not really, so good." I really like how when he says the more story, it's like, "Oh no, it's the moops." Pretty good. Moors. Moops. Now, Patrick, I don't know if you noticed, I was, I was slightly, I was, I was slightly distracted for a moment. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I was a little bit distracted was because I, I was looking for the name of the actor who did the voice of, uh, of the Bubble Boy, and I, I saw it and I got distracted. And I clicked on the link on the side because it's a list on imdb and i'm going to send you the link we'll put this in the show notes for today because it's just that relevant to uh, the show it's a a list created by a user called gator max l and it's a list of actors to play dr ivo eggman robotnik in an upcoming (laughs) movie (laughs) and this guy's thought about it to the extent that he has 35 different people on the list to play <laughs> Dr. Robotnik. Number one on his list, Paul Giamatti. What do you think? Or perhaps you'd prefer to go uh, with a little more classically trained actor, his number two choice, Ian McKellen. You know who he also has on this Tim list? Curry? No, it's Brian Doyle Murray. Now, do you know who Brian Doyle Murray is? He's the dad on this episode of he Seinfeld. He's the dad on this episode of Seinfeld. Also, you may remember the uh, mayor from Groundhog Day. I do remember that. 
Yeah. Do you think that this is our worst show ever? I mean, I don't know what it is. Let me tell you about what I think about number 23 on the list. Steve Martin playing Dr. Robotnik. (laughs) I don't even understand how they can decide this. Like, Dr. Robotnik has no real character. He's just a guy who, you know, laughs and drives big machines around to try to to kill Sonic. Well, he also has to have a passionate hate of animals. Mm-hmm. But a fondness for robotic animals. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to, you know, run his casino. His casino night zone. I love casino night zone. Mm-hmm. You can get so, a lot of rings out of Casino Nights and <laughs> or lose them. The house always wins. <laughs> so as the scene uh, continues along here, uh, the Bubble Boy. What about Jason Alexander as a Robotnik? Oh, actually, that's an amazing. That's a really good choice. <clears throat> and he's got the sort of like anger required. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head here. I know what I'm talking about when it comes. That's enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyhow, continuing on with the show here. Um, mm-hmm. The Bubble Boy, he lashes out physically at George. And he's strong for someone with a compromised immune system because he's strangling George to the point that he will not let go of George's neck and is actually succeeding at choking him out. Yeah, what's he doing? Lifting weights in there? Maybe. He doesn't have a lot of other things to do. Um, yeah, I guess he's got the TV remote. Lifting weights. Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> but I feel like he's just good at Trail Pursuit because he's just memorized all the cards in the deck. He's been living in that bubble for God knows how long. Yeah, that's true. He's a dirty little cheat. Mm-hmm. He's horrible. Horrible man. Get rid of him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> um... But yeah, uh, he he chokes him. Susan ends up breaking the bubble. It's a disaster. Meanwhile, Jerry manages to get himself kicked out of the diner because he tries to... uh, Oh no, he doesn't get kicked out. He's threatened to kick out. And then, I guess immediately after this has happened with the bubble boy, this gang runs in. Someone's hurt the bubble boy. Some short little ball guy from the city. <laughs> this is, once again, like, how, like, am I supposed to expect, like, dueling banjos to start playing in, like, northern New York State? Is that what they're trying to get across? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much of a hick place, uh... It is, but at least in the Seinfeld universe, it's it's like the hills of Tennessee or something. Smoky Mountains. Um, 
yeah, it's it's weird. So they round up a posse to get this this short bald man, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of it for for them. Like they they end up with uh, outside the bubble boy's house. They're still yelling at each other. The gang sees them, chases them out of town. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. A lot of this episode in these scenes, and part of the reason why I think we might be uh, we might be having a little bit of difficulty in discussing it, is because a lot of what just goes on is just like a buildup of anger. And so the scene cuts and it comes back and the annoyance is just continued, right? So the bubble boy is mean. We cut to Jerry. Jerry's like frustrated trying to get the picture back. Uh, and the stakes are never like any higher. We just kind of like see them kind of continue. And it's funny, but as a whole, it's it's kind of difficult to talk about scene to scene to scene. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe we should just wrap it up then. Like the, the cabin is on fire. Kramer and Naomi made it to the cabin. His cigar dropped on a pile of newspapers while they went swimming. They arrive at the cabin. It's on fire. Susan is devastated. Everyone else just kind of says, wow. Uh, I mean, once again, Kramer's... This thing with Kramer burning down things that Kramer's bad with fire, I find it like an odd... It's an odd device. I mean, it's working out for them, but it's really strange. Mm-hmm. He, he shouldn't have those cigars, I guess. Um... But yeah, uh, it's 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 a little weird. Um, I don't know. You're right. I feel like maybe this episode is pretty tight, and there's not that much there's not that much like room for interpretation. Like each little scene, what happens happens in it, and and that's kind of it, right? Like just just happens and then you know that's it there's just not that much to say what is going on over there oh there's a there's a cat pooping classic cat pooping uh so this episode overall patrick uh what 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 are your thoughts uh well i mean like i said it's it's pretty tight um, I like how they kept it to 20 minutes instead of two episodes. I don't know. Just uh, good. You know, I just kind of enjoyed watching it. I was just having a good time. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? I, 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 can, I concur wholeheartedly. It's a great episode. It's a funny episode. It's a fun ride. I would say that if I had the choice between listening to this podcast and watching that episode, I would watch that episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Well, just in case our listeners are thinking, hey, you know, this is great, but you can't stop the show now. Mm-mm. Don't worry, we're not going to stop the show now because I'm going to direct you to whatsthedealshow.com where you can look up today's topic for other business. And in today's other business, we have the always popular Huffington Post providing us with our news story. And it's a news story about Dell responding to complaints about 
cat pee smell in laptops, which they claim is neither urine nor hazardous. So, uh, in June of uh, this year, 2013, the year of our Lord, customers started complaining that their new Dell 6430U laptops, which is a very catchy name if I've ever heard one, uh, smelled smelled like cat pee. And so there's lots of complaints on their forums. Uh, there's a couple samples here. So one from 3West says, you know, I, I got this new laptop. The machine is great, but it smells as if it was assembled near a Tomcat's litter box. It is truly awful. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> another user, Park one says, add me to the list of people who received a few of these terribly smelly latitude blah blah blahs. One night I was working on a new unit and I thought for sure the guy in the next cube who was a cat brought the cat into work and it urinated on the floor. Not so. Uh, one of them is totally insane. Uh, ask Anyonese. It's ask said. anyone else. Oh, sorry. There's some <laughs> compression there. Ask anyone else said, I want you to know that I killed our one-year-old cat thinking I was pissing on my computer each night. And now I come across this form telling me otherwise. My wife has left me after finding this out. <laughs> well, so here's the uh, here's Dell's response. We really appreciate everyone's patience as we work through this issue through with a U. Uh, so they can confirm to you right now that uh, there was an engineering failure, and the smell was indeed related to a manufacturing process. It is not related to biological contamination, and it is not a health hazard. Uh, So, you know, people whose new things smell like pee, it's too late for them. They're just going to have to live with it. (laughs) But uh, the reason why I picked this one today is my question to you, Patrick, is... Have you ever got a product that had bad new smell? Yeah, I think I had something from like a dollar store or something. And it had like a weird plastic smell. Like, you know how there's like that really, really cheap plastic smell that smells like, I don't know, almost sour or bitter or something. I think it was like a cheap toy or something, and it smelled really bad. Hmm. I don't know. The, the smell always bothered me, and I could never really enjoy the toy. I think it was like a knockoff Transformer. But it was not, it smelled not real. It smelled real weird. I don't know what kind of plastic it was made of. See, I, <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but I got uh, a screwdriver, a multi-head screwdriver, uh, several years ago, and... It smelled really bad. Like, it smelled like manure. And my thing was that I couldn't stop smelling it, though. It's like, I couldn't believe how bad it smelled. There's actually an episode of Seinfeld where Elaine, I think, is smelling a pencil. And she's smelling, it's like, this pencil smells bad. And then she picks it back up and smells it again. It's like, really bad. So why do I keep smelling it? And then she, like, throws it away. But that's what it was like. And I felt, like, drawn to this disgusting screwdriver. Like, I couldn't... I couldn't stop smelling it. And then I'd tell other people, like, this thing reeks. It really smells like manure. 
here, you smell it. And I would, like, offer it up to them to smell. And, of course, they would refuse. Like, do do you remember this? Did I offer you an opportunity to smell it? I don't think so. I don't remember this. Its smell has since uh, gone away. But it really stunk. It smelled really bad. And it's funny, though, because, like, people generally, when they get a new product, I think people either want it to not smell at all or to have, like, new that new product smell that generally is considered good yeah yeah i don't know i i in general do not like the smell of new products like i know a lot of people are really excited about it like if they buy something new they like that new smell like especially a car Mm -hmm. but i really cannot stand the smell of a new car i like a medium old car it's too old it smells too much like french fries and and like stale coffee but too that it has that weird like it's like an off-gassing smell or something from the upholstery yeah i don't like that i know people like at the car wash like spray their car with that stuff but i think it's gross well it's actually apparently a thing that's really common now is actually intentionally uh, pumping a small amount of like some sort of intentional like scented gas into a product so that when you open it up it releases it uh very famously well maybe not that famously but notably uh Katy Perry in one of her albums the the one with the cupcakes on it they uh pumped some sort of like cotton candy smelling gas into the products or into the CDs before they sealed them huh. Does that work? Uh, yeah. Huh. I wonder what else you could, like, pump smells into. smell vision when that's happening, eh? I mean, like... Yeah, that's, that's pretty weird. If you could have any smell just, like, follow you around, like, you could always smell the smell. It would just be the only smell you smell. So if I could only smell one smell for the rest of my life? Say it was just like the like the background smell of, of anything and like maybe you could up the intensity anytime you want if there's something unpleasant and you want to disguise it. So could I possibly turn it off then? Because like isn't it going to like impede with my taste then? You can dim it. It would never entirely be gone. Dim it to what percent? Mmm... I don't know, like faint. Like if you if you're smelling for it, you can smell it, but it's not like offensive. Um so what, like three, five percent smell? Sure, yeah. One smell. Well my first thought was like uh vanilla. Hmm. Um I, I feel like, like if cinnamon. I, I feel like I'd go with like a cedar wood or something like that. I thought about that. I love a cedar wood. I've got these nice uh, cedar wood uh, incense at my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But I guess just upping that intensity, that's not really going to help if there's an unpleasant smell. You're just going to smell like a super intense cedar and like poop or whatever. <laughs> Straight to the poop. Or a cat pee. I don't know. If you, what would you do if you got this cat pee laptop? I would return it. Do you think they would accept returns? Yes. 
Because this, this article didn't say they're accepting returns. Well, I think if you get it and you immediately return it, like if you don't do anything with it, you oh. can return it to the store. It seems like people didn't notice right away, though. Well, then how badly does it really smell? I, th- I think it's like once it starts, the laptop starts heating up, it starts smiling more. Oh, well, even then I would try and return it. Hmm. Yeah. Or at least like it, I bet a store would do an exchange. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, apparently there were like some new balance shoes that also smelled like cat pee. That suck. Because imagine if you have a cat, you would just think your cat peed in those shoes. Oh, I would definitely think they did. And then you just have to throw out those shoes. Yeah, New Balance cat pee that like it automatically filled up like right away. Yeah, apparently it was some like glue they're using. Oh, that's really odd. Yeah, what is this glue that they have that smells like cat pee that they're just not noticing? Seems weird. I don't know. I feel like that's a basic test, you know? So maybe we should use this new glue for uh, for our uh, our shoes. <laughs> you know? Let's, let's do a basic test. Does, does it adhere the two things, yes? Does it smell terrible? Um, it smells kind of like a cat pee. doesn't matter. Maybe they like cat let's pee. use it anyway. <laughs> maybe they're of, uh, of the cat pee sort of... Uh fans they have a cat pee inclination i don't know i just can't i just can't imagine not noticing it seems weird to me yeah i don't I mean, understand cat, how... cat pee smells awful it does it's uh it's uh it's pretty distinctive i don't know if you couldn't return the laptop what would you try to do with it would you just sell it and then, like, tell people it smells like cat pee or just not tell people? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, there's definitely... Because if there's you're selling it, selling it. If, if you sell it, they're going to just think that your cat peed on it. Oh, that's true. And then they'll be, like, rightfully mad at you. Yeah. Oh, man. It's a bad situation. Wow. I feel like I would sell it. I hadn't thought about that. They'd come. They'd come after you. Like I feel like I would sell it straight up. Maybe like a two hundred dollar discount for what like the laptop is normally selling for, and say it smells of cat pee. It's a manufacturing defect. Here you go. And I bet there's someone who just, you know, doesn't have a strong sense of smell or just think they don't care and would buy it. Yeah. Hmm. It's a bad situation. It's not great. Have you ever sold something on uh, like Craigslist or something and it's gone south? Yeah. One time I sold uh, like a bass amp and the guy, uh, um, like, I don't think it was ever, like, a, a super loud amp, and I sold it to him, and I hadn't used it in, like, two years. And I sold it only, like, I sold it really cheap, like, 30 bucks or something. I could have probably gotten, like, $80 at least, uh, but I just wanted to get rid of it. 
And this guy, like, he came and picked it up, and he said he didn't want to bother testing it. And then when he got home, he, I, like, you know, I said it worked, and he was like, he was so mad, and he said, you know, I must have known that it was working. It was like broken because like the volume was all the way to the right. And blah blah blah, and he was like, "One day karma's gonna come get you, and like, you know, someone's gonna screw you, and your life's gonna be ruined, just like mine is." I was like, "Wow!" I'm, I like replied to his email. I said, "I was really sorry. Like, you could just bring it back, and I would give him his money." He's like, "Then he's like, no, it's not that bad. I'm just gonna like try to replace the fuse or whatever's wrong with it." <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bassist. Yeah, he was he was so mad, and I offered you know to fix it, but I don't know. He was just maybe crazy. Because <laughs> I I used to have a Mac Pro. You remember my old Mac Pro, the G five? Sure, yeah. And I sold that, and when I sold it, I I was having a problem with it. The uh, the graphics card, I don't know what was on it, like some Radeon card, uh, was kind of like. It was kind of freaking out a little bit, and so sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you just had weird graphical errors on it, and it had been okay, and I hadn't been noticing it, so this guy offered to buy it, and I forget what I sold it for. Let's say I sold it for, like, $400 or something, uh-huh. and when he said he would take it, and then my computer started having more problems, I sent him a message, and I'm like, hey, you know, I don't know if you still want it, but I just turned it on, and it's having this problem, you know, I'll I'll take $50 off the price, though, if you still want it. And he said, okay. And so he came to my house. He gave me the money. You know, he accepted the discounted price I gave him. And then he took it. And then the next day, he sent me an email saying how he couldn't use it like this. And that I had to give him his money back. And he had to, that, you know, he would give me the computer back. But he didn't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. I said no. Yeah, I feel like, you know. I mean, I disclosed all I disclosed the problem to him in advance and I took money off the price because I told him he might have to buy a new video card. Mhm. And I think in the end probably what happened is that he just went ahead and got a new video card and it probably worked fine. Yeah, it's it's weird selling things on uh on Craigslist is weird. People people are crazy. It's never a great experience. I always like how, you know, if you're selling something for like $15 and people always show up, it's like, oh, I only have 10 Like they knew they're, the one thing they had to do when they came to your house was to have $15. Yeah, I just, I like, because you've often already like bargained in email. Like maybe the original price was $20 and like, I'll give you 15 And then you're like, okay. And then they come and do this kind of thing. I just have a like blanket policy where like if someone tries to do that with me i just say you know like well that's too bad you can go get five dollars uh because honestly like people are like they if they could have just said they only had ten dollars and i could just said no i'll just sell it to someone else or throw it in the garbage you're (laughs) you're like you're being you're like a dishonest person i'm not gonna facilitate that wow i would love to see you give this uh this speech at the door 
No, I just say like, oh, well, it's fifteen dollars, and like, well, I only have ten. I was like, okay, well, I'll sell it to someone else, or throw it in the garbage. No, I'm just thinking that right. I mean, I I was picturing you at your front door, and when the person tries to give you ten dollars, <laughs> and you just have like a big open garbage can next to you, and you just drop <laughs> the item straight. No. <laughs> I guess the garbage can gets it after all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, you, if you're enjoying this week's What's the Deal show, I highly encourage you to check out whatsthedealshow.com where you can see all the show notes and you can see our topic for other business as well as, uh, you know, Patrick will include a link to Craigslist. <laughs> and you can tune in next week because next week we are going to be checking out the Cheever Letters, which is the eighth episode of the fourth season of Seinfeld. And in this week, uh, we have one of the great Elaine one-liners. And on top of that, we have uh, a little cameo by John Cheever in written form. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting episode. Illicit affairs, sex, passionate lovers, dirty talk, it's all there. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Patrick's in charge of social media, so if you have some complaints about this week's episode, you can, uh, you can contact us how, Patrick? Well, you can complain uh, about us on Twitter. We tweet at WTD Show. And you can, uh, you know, be very angry about whatever there. Uh, or we're on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash what's the deal show. You can take back all of the likes that you've given <laughs> us. Uh, what else? I think that's it. On Tumblr, you can follow us on Tumblr. Make a Jeff of us or something. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, and you know what? If you're feeling really generous, you too can... Go on to iTunes, and you can rate this show with five, being you'd like Chris to be back on the show. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But it would really help us out. You know, we've been pleading for how long now for people to leave us some written reviews on iTown, uh, iTown, on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> and I, What's I wrong with have, iTown? I like iTown. That's uh, Apple's MMO for children. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go ahead and say that I think we still have the same two written reviews that we've always had. Yeah, write us a review already. Even a bad one. And actually, I just typed in... Oh, but it's not called What's the Deal Show on iTunes. just What's the Deal. Mm-hmm. I typed in What's the Deal Show and... Uh, my podcast suggestion was The Paleo Show, a podcast dedicated to uh, paleo living. That's not that far from what our show is. Right? I don't... I don't think so. I think it's the, I think it's the exact same, actually. Yeah. Also, have you noticed uh, that our album art isn't working properly anymore on iTunes? No. Yeah, I don't think so. It hasn't worked for for months. Oh, I didn't know that. Our show is the paragon of production value and quality. 
Our show? This 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 show. Hmm. So, as always, I would like to already uh, offer you a hearty thank you. Wait, wait, um, wait. On iTunes it says, people who subscribe to What's the Deal have also subscribed to The Night's Watch, Game of Thrones podcast. Really? Yeah. They like... Say, the same people that are listening to this show are listening to that show? Apparently. There are 312 episodes of that show. Oh my god. Aren't there only like 40 episodes of that show? I don't know. They're doing... looks like about an episode a week. I don't know how they got 300 episodes. They're all an hour and a half. This one's two and a half hours long? Jeez. I mean, no one wants to listen to us talk for that long. And I, I accept mm-hmm. that. But... Mm-hmm. People... Yeah. Wow, and look at all the ratings. Mm-hmm. 63. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great podcast. Very entertaining and spoiler-free. I mean, we're spoiling all of these Seinfeld episodes. Mm-hmm. So, as always, I would like to offer you a hearty thank you and a full apology from Patrick Armstrong. <laughs> Goodbye. And myself, Cameron Wong. Thank you very much, and we will be with you again next week. <laughs> so, what do you want to do for After Dark today? <sighs> Nexus 5. All right. What do you want to what do you want to say about the Nexus 5? I don't have anything to say about it. It looks pretty big. Yeah, it's big big phone. New Google Glass. What do you think Google's doing with that barge? I don't know, experimenting with water cooling or something like that. Ocean cooling. Do you think that's what it's for? I heard somebody say they thought it was going to be a floating Google Glass store. <laughs> oh man! First the barge, then Rob Ford. What's next? Barge, barge Ford. Maybe he's gonna live on the on the barge. He might. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him. Maybe that's think- what it's for, and maybe that's why they're gonna call it Barge Ford. Do you feel like he's going to run for mayor again? Uh, Well, he already said earlier this year that the next election is going to be, quote, a bloodbath. For who? I don't I don't know for who, but (laughs) for someone. For him? I don't know, but I mean, it must mean he's going to run for election again. How else is he going to have his show? Do you think... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he won again. Has his, like, popularity decreased at all because of this crack thing? I don't know, but honestly, if he... If he won again, that would be... That would be atrocious. I don't know. Does Toronto ever have a good mayor? Um, 
I don't know. I don't know anything about Toronto mayors except for Rob Ford. I think they only know when they have, like, really bad... You're, like, you're only aware of, like, really bad politicians and the worst mayors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think Montreal's going to have a pretty bad mayor pretty soon. You think so? Uh, well, like, the like guy who's polling uh, the best... And there actually haven't been that many polls, but the guy who's polling the best this... Uh, I think his name is Denis Coderre. He was one of the uh, people that were like indicted in the sponsorship scandal, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, you know he's he's closely aligned with like the party that like recently like oh, like lost their like the mayor was. Uh, uh, kicked out of uh, office for corruption charges. It's just kind of continuation. At the same. I time. mean, I don't. I don't expect Quebec's like local or provincial politics to to clean clean up at all. Yeah, I mean, the other candidates seem much better. But uh... <laughs> wow, I've never seen this full video. This is uh, this is going to be our best after dark ever. I think the after dark might be the best part of our show this week. <laughs> 